Good morning. As we share worship this morning, I bring you the greetings of Adrosin Presbytery. And it's worth just thinking about where we are as church uh, now. As we know, the Church of Scotland's undergoing a massive change, a massive reorganisation, which is affecting everyone across the church. Locally, the, the Presbytery of Ardrossan will unite next September with the Presbyteries of Arvid and Kilmarnock, Ayr, Stradrar and Wigton, and Dumfries and Kakubri, and then Annandale and Estdale to form the South West Scotland Presbytery. And that's just a reflection of what's happening across the church. And also with the pres presbytery mission plans that come in, uh, they're going to have to deal with too many congregations, too many buildings, a reduction of ministries, and that's for ministers, deacons, and MDS, mission development staff. Uh, it's an overall reduction of about 40%, with plans to be agreed and in place by the end of 2022. And I know that there's a whole load of emotions that we felt by people who are the church. Our buildings have been the place of family rites, baptisms, weddings, ordinations, setting apart, introductions, funerals. And now we have far too many and we must let go. There are histories within congregations, but again we have far too many, sometimes with only a few people but we must reduce the number of congregations. There is a need to reduce the number of ministries and paid staff. And we can't just set all this aside or put our heads in the sand. But I need to say, we are not called to demolish. We are called to build the kingdom of God. Through discipleship and mission, God will use us to build his kingdom. It is God who gives us hope and a certainty in our future. And he has shown us the way through our precious Saviour, Christ Jesus, who lived and walked in this world, who was betrayed, who was crucified, who died, carrying all our sin and was buried. And in glory, he rose again and has ascended to be seated at the right hand of the Father until he returns to rule and reign over the world forever. God has torn down. God has built up again. He has restored fortunes to nations. He has vindicated his people and will continue to do so. He does this because he loves us. And as his disciples, we come to glorify our God and enjoy him forever. As we gather together, we seek his presence, his peace, his grace, his comfort, and I pray that as we worship, you would be able to worship and love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And I bless each one of you in the name of Jesus Christ that the Father would open the eyes of your heart by the power of his Holy Spirit. And our call to worship is from Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us 
and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, with, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaths with them. Amen. We celebrate and rejoice and give God the glory in song. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Ten thousand reasons. Let's join our hearts and our minds together in prayer. Let's pray. Almighty, eternal God, our Father, we come before you this morning and rejoice in the greatness of your love, the fullness of your provision. We come together now surrounded 
by the fruits of your creation, the rich variety and the plenty of another harvest. And we rejoice, we cry out to you, for you have blessed us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, as we give you all the glory, all the honor, receive our worship. You give us life and you sustain that life through the consistency of seasons, the regular pattern of day and night, and the riches of the world which you created and made us stewards of. And Lord, as we pray, we rejoice, we cry out to you, for you have blessed us. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for the hard work of those who do the preparing and sowing, the cultivating and growing, the reaping and packaging, the transporting and selling. We rejoice, we cry out to you, for you have blessed us. Thank you, Lord. Living Lord, we come to you now confessing our sin for the times we have wasted the gifts you have given us, for the times we have used the gifts you have given us for ourselves, for the times we have not appreciated your creation and your providence. Forgive us. Loving Lord, forgive us when we've not fed the hungry, we've not given a drink to the thirsty and not clothed the naked. Forgive us when our hearts have hardened and we want to think only about me, myself and I. Forgive our blindness when we don't look out into your world, the world around us so that we can serve and be part of building your kingdom in this place. Eternal God, we thank you that you desire that we work hand in hand with you, nurturing and gathering in the fruitfulness of your creation. Help us to recognize the responsibility that that involves and to be faithful stewards of all you've given us. Thank you, Lord, that you forgive us our sins through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. We humble ourselves before you. May our lives as well as our words offer to you our joyful praise, our heartfelt worship and our eager service. And hear us, Lord, as we sum up our prayers using the words that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. The kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forevermore. Amen. Well, this morning we take our Bible reading from Mark's Gospel in chapter 10. And you'll find it there in your order of service. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, and at verse 46 to 52. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. 
When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Amen. May the Lord bless us the reading of his precious word. Let's join our hearts and our minds together in prayer once again. Let's pray. Lord, before this world's days even began, your word was in the beginning, and it was with you and it was you. The mystery of that brings us to our knees. Yet today you allow us to open your word and know you better. So with ask you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us hearts open to your spirit as we seek you. In Jesus' name. Amen. One of the first things we can do when we look at the scripture is actually track where Jesus has been and where he's going. So in, in Mark 10... He's come down into Judea. He's been up around the, the Lake of Galilee. He's been away across onto, onto the, um, what is the west coast, right at the Mediterranean Sea. So he's been at Tyre and Sidon. He's been up to uh, Caesarea Philippi and he's come back down to Capernaum. So he's done this kind of loop and now he's coming down towards Jerusalem. And as he comes down and he comes down the side of the, the Jordan, uh, they, they come down on the on the um, on the west side of the Jordan and into a place called Perea, which is where uh, uh, Herod Antipas was the ruler. Uh, it's uh, it's where the, the the Pharisees tried to engage him about the the whole thing about divorce, um, and maybe that was a wee link to to what had gone on previously when John the Baptist had. Uh, had um, said things about Herod's marriage uh, to Herodias, that is, his brother's wife. And so now he's come down, he's crossed the, the Jordan, he's now into Jericho. And, and the thing about Jericho is, there's the Jericho that was cursed in Joshua's time. Um, at that time, Joshua pronounced this solemn oath, cursed before the Lord is the one who undertakes to rebuild the city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundations. At the cost of his youngest, he will set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. So there's that Jericho, and then just a mile apart, maybe, there was the new Jericho. And maybe that's not totally important, but when we compare Gospels, and we see things like Jesus is leaving Jericho, or entering Jericho, for the same gospels, or the same story within the different gospels, then it maybe begins to understand, help us to understand just where Jesus is, and actually the gospels are in are more together than perhaps they would look like from at the first glance. 
So here we see Jesus at Jericho. And on the road is blind Bartimaeus, the beggar. He's a beggar because he's totally dependent on other people for charity, for guidance and for protection. He doesn't have anyone to look after him. So he's on his own, he's blind, and he's helpless really on on the side of the road. In the eyes of many, he's insignificant. He's unimportant. He is of no value whatsoever to them. And he is expendable. And he's sitting at the roadside. It's a good spot for people passing. It's a good point of traffic because the road to Jerusalem from, from, the, from that side goes through Jericho. It's a main route. We know that Bartimaeus is blind. We're told that. He's physically blind. It's a suggestion about how much he can actually see because of some of his responses. But I don't think that matters. He's blind physically. And I I do wonder how blind he might be spiritually as well, being completely separated from everyone. But this point, Jesus is coming through and there's a large crowd following him and around him. There's a commotion. It wouldn't have just been a, a quiet time passing through. I just imagine the people talking. Uh, as they get closer, that may be getting louder. As they all try and talk over each other. And they all share stories, maybe, of the miracles that they've seen. Of this teaching that they've heard coming from Jesus. And so I can't imagine that, that it was a quiet thing. And there was Bartimaeus. And in that, there had to be mentioning of who Jesus was. And, and knowing that Jesus was there. Bartimaeus shouts out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he ignores all the rebukes that come for him to be quiet and he shouted more and more. It became louder, it became more urgent. That plea also came, it was a call of respect to Jesus. Son of David is a messianic title. Bartimaeus knew Jesus knew who he is, knew that Jesus can help him, and in some ways were desperate for Jesus to help because his call was a call for mercy as well, a call from the heart, a call for, of desire, maybe just a general call for Jesus to do something. But as we read on, we maybe find it's more a specific call that he's looking for a specific healing. It's a call of determination. He's ignoring the rebukes, the people who are making him, trying to, to get him to, to, to be hidden away so that Jesus can't be bothered. Because, remember, he's insignificant, he's unimportant, he's expendable. Surely the rabbi is far too important to be expected to deal with the likes of of Bartimaeus. That's what the people are thinking. And you know, 
Bartimaeus knows the stories. He clearly knows something because he's called out son of David. And it's a call in the name of the Lord. Joel 2.32 says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's quoted in Acts 2.21 and Paul quotes it in Romans 10.13. Surely Bartimaeus might have known these words from Joel. Certainly he was using that messianic title for Jesus. So here's the picture. There's this man considered by everyone to be insignificant, to be expendable. And Jesus is passing by and he's called out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops. Stops where he is. It's the same as when the woman touched the hem of his cloak he stopped and asked, who touched me? Jesus heard something and stopped. He was never going to be too busy to help this blind man. And his first call was to those who rebuked. It wasn't to Bartimaeus. It it was to those who rebuked Bartimaeus. And he instructed the people that Bartimaeus would be brought to him. And immediately the people changed the way they were dealing with them. Cheer up, it's okay, come on, you're being called. And we're told this excitement that Bartimaeus must have had because he threw his cloak aside. He jumped up to his feet and went to Jesus. Was it his voice, Jesus' voice? Were the people guiding him? Was this blind man, could he see something? But it matters not. He went to Jesus. And Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? What a question. It seems almost a nonsense question by Jesus. Here's a blind man that's called out to him, recognize him as son of David. But you know, when we look at the rest of the, the, that chapter, take time to read that chapter. It's fascinating, not just in what, what Jesus was doing, but actually in what was going on. In verse 2, the Pharisees wanted to test and trap Jesus, that question around divorce. In verse 17, the rich man wanted eternal security for a minimum cost. In verses 35 to 36, James and John wanted to be the top dogs on either side of Jesus in the kingdom. They wanted these seats beside Jesus. They wanted prestige. And you know, they they wanted Jesus to do whatever they would ask of him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, do just what we ask for you to do. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? They wanted that prestige. They wanted position. They wanted power. Were they looking to build an empire under Jesus? Maybe they thought that who they were meant that they deserved that position. And it certainly didn't please the other disciples because they became indignant with James and John. And Jesus' response to all the disciples and this is important, although it's not in, the, in just where we are, but it's important for us to, to think about. Jesus says this, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. 
Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's a real leveler that Jesus comes away with. But that question, what Jesus asking, what do you want me to do for you? That goes down deep inside. It can bring the worst out of us. John and James, disciples, followers, being taught, wanting to be the top dogs, wanting a position and a power and a prestige. But it can bring out the best of us. Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, Rabbi, I want to see, is his answer. And even by calling Jesus Rabbi, still showing that respect, he's still showing a position to Jesus. And he seeks his sight. We're only told he wants to see. We don't know if that's a physical and or a spiritual. And we don't really know what Jesus gives him. And bear with me for that in a moment. Is there something again here in that calling on the Lord using the son of David as a title? There's something there in the way that, that Bartimaeus has gone to Jesus. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Son of David, have mercy on me. Did he just want to be like other people, just to see? And I, seeing as well meant that he would probably no longer need to be a beggar, that he would be accepted into the community, into the people. And it would be a life-changing moment, part of the community. Rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus doesn't do anything other than say, go, your faith has healed you. That's it, go, your faith has healed you. And he can see. Immediately it said, immediately the word says, immediately he received his sight. That's the response that he gets from Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Bartimaeus wasn't like some of the others who came to Jesus for healing. Who went, go, your faith has healed you. They went. Bartimaeus followed Jesus along the road. That's what we were told. He followed Jesus. He became part of that crowd that heard the teaching, that would see the miracles. Did he follow him all the way into Jerusalem? Questions we don't know, but as we start thinking about what it means to be that follower, another one that's coming and following around Jesus. And we know that Jesus wants to build a kingdom. Jesus wants people to be saved. And there's a big harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Matthew 9, 35 to 38. And ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Luke 10, 2. You know, we're called. 
We're called. We call on the Lord to be saved and we're called. We're called to be part of who the, Jesus is, who the kingdom is. We're called to be part of the harvest. Some are called to sow. Some are called to reap. Some are called to nurture. But we are called. And we're also, when we look at Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That call is to each one of us. Each one of us to be part of the harvest. Each one of us given a gifting to be part of the harvest. And it's important that we take time to contemplate what that gifting might be. He provides for us. He gives us gifts. He gives us time. He gives us talents. And he gives us money. And he calls us to build the kingdom. And never, in my opinion, has it been so necessary to keep that in mind. We're not here to close churches, but churches have to close. We're not here to close congregations, but there's too many with too few. But we're called to build the kingdom. And so sometimes we have to set aside some of the things that we have done to find the harvest, to look for where the kingdom is to be built and how the kingdom is to be built. At such a time as this, presbytery mission plans, they have to achieve a purpose for the sake of the church. And it was only six months ago that the, the moderator at the time, Martin Fair, said that... Um, if nothing was done by 2035, it would be time to shut the door, switch off the lights. That's it. Church of Scotland is finished. The kingdom is not finished. And we need to get our priorities. For the church to survive, the kingdom must be, be there. We need to build the kingdom, not the church. Kingdom first, the church follows. That's what Jesus did. That's what we see in Acts. We are called to reach the least, the lost, and the broken. That's who blind Bartimaeus was. He was one of the least. He was one of the lost. He was one of the broken. And he called out. And Jesus stopped because Jesus was interested. And Jesus healed and, you know, when it comes to our own approach to Jesus, I want you to imagine him just to stand there in front of you. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? Maybe another question that we need to spend time with Jesus Asking him, listening to him, is what does Jesus want you to do for him? We must spend some time in 
prayer. I'm going to just lead through a prayer. We're going to go into um, a song, My Heart is Filled with Thankfulness. And at the end of that, just a time of quiet where we'll make our own prayers known to the Father. So let's join together in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we pray and as we worship you, we give you all the thanks and all the glory. We pray for those that we see as the least and the lost and the broken. For those who are marginalised. For those who are just struggling. Struggling with life. Struggling financially. And especially we pray for those who will see universal credit reduce amongst rising prices. We pray for those who are mourning. Mourning the death of a loved one. Mourning the loss of a job. Maybe mourning the loss of a house. Mourning the loss of a relationship. Pray for those who are mourning the loss of their health. We pray for those who have been diagnosed with COVID-19. Thanks for those who are involved in, in the care and the treatment and the vaccine programs. And Lord, we pray for your church. Pray for your church across the world that in all places in the the places where life maybe seems a bit easier and the places where there's absolute persecution and your church is underground, we pray for your people that they would know you, that they would just be able to rest in your arms, that they would know the strength of the love that you have for them. We pray for your church here in this nation, in this area, in this town. Lord, as we celebrate a time of harvest, we ask that question, what do you want us to do for you, Lord? Lord, as we pray, we pray for the Church of Scotland, for the Church nationally, for the presbyteries, and for the parishes, Lord, I pray for this place here, your church here in the High Kirk. I pray for Scott, for Antonia, for Bethany, for Daniel, for David. I pray for all who lead in this place and all who worship here. And Father, as we worship, we do so with hearts filled with thankfulness. We take time now just to, to sit to reflect, to sing, to reflect on that question. Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? My heart is filled with thankfulness.
Almighty God, be gracious to us and bless us and make your face to shine upon us that your way may be known upon earth, your saving power among all nations and power all the peoples to praise you, O God, that the nations may be glad and sing for joy for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Enable all the peoples to praise you, O God, for the earth has yielded its increase and you, our God, have blessed us. I ask you to continue to bless us so that all the ends of the earth will revere you. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and remain with each one of you, all whom you love, all whom you struggle to love now and until Jesus comes again and then forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Bless you.